Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. You don't believe in the sun. You experience it. You don't believe in this jar. You experience it. What if every belief that you had that wasn't actually directly experienced to be true or not, you threw out? What would happen then? Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Over the past couple episodes, we've discussed how the United States has developed a dangerous relationship with reality. Today, we'll be talking about why businesses are responsible for bringing our society back into truth and how framing management and leadership as a spiritual practice, just like meditation, can help us create companies that can accomplish this. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open up the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. When you hold someone accountable, you're doing God's work. How about that? Mm. You, can well, sub- you can substitute God with life, universe, whatever you want. Reality with a capital R. That's how management and leadership is a spiritual practice because you're serving reality itself by bringing someone back into truth. That to me is the responsibility of business because business has a huge impact on our world and business decisions affect our, our government on, on a really large level. You know, when larger businesses say, yes, this should happen, no, this shouldn't happen. And they, they're influencing whether our government abides with reality or not. Well, as Michael Gerber used to say, big businesses are just small businesses that worked. Well, you said just before that, what Michael Gerber said, I didn't get that. The government uh, uh, businesses have what kind of influence on government? Big businesses have huge information, influence on government, right? Through special and, and interests and political really? action committees. Oh, 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 I see what you mean. Okay. 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 So if you, when the bigger your business gets, the more influence you can have on politics, beginning at the local level. So I see that as a, 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 an avenue for change to happen. As business owners, I have a client I've worked with on and off for about 10 years who has about 1,000 employees in Connecticut. And when he talks to politicians, they listen. You know, He has government contracts and po- politicians listen to business people because you have employees whose votes you can influence. You're connected to the community. In a business, you, you touch hundreds, if not thousands of people. And it all starts with accountability to reality. And that's what accountability is, right? It's accountability to reality. So another way of saying what the role of a manager is, is a, a manager 
is someone who keeps an employee in reality, keeps the business in reality, keeps customers in reality. And when you abide with the principles of reality, it conspires to help you. And hopefully we're keeping ourselves in reality on occasion. Well, that too. I mean, that's really the, a good point. That's really what the, the onus of leadership is, is when, there's, when you don't have a boss to report to, will you abide with reality? Will you be faithful to it when you don't have to, when nobody's making you? You know, it's like when someone is an employee and they're following someone else in that way, it usually means they need a certain amount of supervision because they can't be trusted to live entirely in reality. So, okay, they need that amount of supervision to some degree. Now, insert my teachings about meta-supervision. When you point out to that employee that they're needing supervision could be more responsible, can't be trusted in certain domains, and you support them from underneath and level them up so they become more responsible and require less supervision, you've created a leader. Someone who will hold themselves accountable to living in reality, and you've changed the world. One person at a time. Isn't that cool? That's the opportunity you have. And... So when you're hiring people, it would be good to try to find out people who are actually, find out if people are actually interested in such a thing. And that's a, one way of using a job to abide with reality. And then, you know, also on the product side, whatever you deliver and how you deliver it. That's another example of living in reality. You know, if you're an accountant and you deliver the person's tax returns crumpled up into balls in a box, that's not in reality for how they want to receive those documents. <laughs> but I was just talking to my accountant recently who sends me all these PDFs, which are output from his programs, I guess. And they're PDFs. I don't use paper, right? He's Come, he's thinking of like the era where I'm going to like print them out, sign them and mail them back or fax them back or something. I don't do that. I'm signing these electronically. Well, signing PDFs is a pain when there's things like DocuSign and HelloSign where you just, it's all does it for you. It takes me like an hour and a half to sort out all of these PDFs. And I said to him, I go, this is taking me all this time and I've got to make, a, I've got to copy each one before I sign it because they're locked. If this were done in DocuSign, it would take me 20 minutes. And he was like, okay, I'll look into that. That's abiding with the reality of increasing the value of the product, right? If he could, I'd pay $50 more easy if he could do that, right? He's increased the value of the product by making it easier for me to deal with, thereby earning money. I hope he doesn't raise his rates just because he's going to use a tool like that. But like I said, I'd be willing to do that. So that's another way of looking at this whole reality thing. When, because the, the whole idea of money is that a business takes resources, does something with them, adds value to them using systems, intelligence, techniques, whatever, does something with them, and then sells the end product for more than it costs to make it. But they've earned that by applying the intelligence that they do, right? Like Kurt, the dirty clothes they give you, 
you use electricity and water and ingenuity and chemicals, and you return the product cleaner than it started. The clean clothes are more valuable than the dirty clothes, intrinsically speaking, right? Isn't that, that's an objective truth. A clean shirt is more valuable than a dirty shirt. Now, are there exceptions? Yes, you need a dirty shirt for a play or something. Okay, you're gonna, you know, there's exceptions to that. But most, for the most part, isn't that isn't that really wild to think about? That's an intrinsic value. The the clean shirt is more valuable than the dirty shirt, right? The warm hamburger is more valuable than the cold hamburger. Intrinsic value. I don't know what Descartes was talking about. <laughs> the remodeled bathroom is more valuable than the dollars that the homeowner exchanged for it. Yes, right. Exactly. They say, okay, this, this $10, I would rather have this clean suit than this $10. I'd really like both. But given that everything has a price, I'm going to give you this $10 because the clean suit is more valuable to me than that $10. It's worth it. And then you go, cool. That works for me because for $9, I can clean that suit because I'm clever and I have efficiency and we have, we've using all the square feet of our plant really well and yada, yada, yada. That's business. But what happens when people depart from that and they start thinking about, well, how do I make money, parentheses, without having to create any more value? Now you're not in reality anymore. And then that compounds and creates mischief. Because that's the thinking. Again, like, okay, I want more money. Well, how about in addition to rent, I take a piece of their gross profit? Okay. Well, how are you going to contribute to that gross profit? How are you going to create value to earn that? By sitting on my couch eating potato chips? Does that help with the gross profit? No. Well, I don't care. I want it anyway. And then that, Then money and value no longer travel in parallel lines, right? The money has increased and the value hasn't. And that's bubble. That's speculation bubble. And life looks at it and goes, mm, that's not going to last so long because you're making stuff up here. Coming back to something you said earlier about, about accountability, you were connecting accountability with, I forget the term you used about making the world better. And then, then you a little bit after that, you talked about that's something that we, part of our jobs as leaders is to help our, our um, employees become better by holding them accountable and, mm-hmm. and so they can learn to be more in reality with mm-hmm. our help. I'm looking for foundational, most upstream things that, that, that I can think about as, as an individual who happens to not have a, a boss in the sense uh, that, that our employees do to hold myself accountable and to learn and improve is, is, is living in reality kind of one of those foundational most upstream or almost most upstream things. Oh, I don't know anything more upstream than that. Okay. Yeah. The the harder question is what's immediately downstream of that. Right. So then the the question is in what ways are you not living in reality? And this is where the whole coaching and therapy industry is based largely on what's called limiting beliefs. Now, what I don't like about limiting beliefs as a phrase, Tony Robbins, certainly one of the people who made that famous. What I don't like about limiting beliefs is it's kind of a euphemism for bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I like distorted beliefs. 
But I, I get why people use limiting beliefs. But to, to me, it doesn't make the point quite firmly enough because it, it doesn't actually speak to the problem of belief in general. So when someone has a belief, like my example I use all the time, if I tell you there's uh, on Thoreau Street in Concord, Massachusetts, there's a place called New London Style Pizza, a place I grew up going to. I still remember their phone number. has some of the best pizza on the entire East Coast. If you haven't been there, you have to believe that or not. right? So let's say you, you trust me and you believe. You're going to believe that now. You have a belief, but you don't know whether it's true. And the next time you're in Concord, Massachusetts, maybe you show up and see if that belief were true. That's what a belief is. It's a placeholder for an experience. You don't believe in the sun. You experience it. You don't believe in this jar. You experience it. What if every belief that you had that wasn't actually directly experienced to be true or not you threw out. What would happen then? Or another way of saying it is, where, in what ways are you living according to a belief that is just a belief and not actually an experience? And because this is what happens in our unconscious. We have beliefs about men, women, white people, black people, business, government, politicians. And that's what a prejudice is, right? When you see someone of a certain color across the street and you know suddenly you have a thought about them that's not based in any kind of direct experience it's a belief it might be based on some past experience right racism for example is a distorted kind of belief it's a belief that i know something about that person because of the color of their skin I don't know why this stuff, it's not talked about we, we, in sort of the mass conversation of, ma- of, of mainstream culture. It never gets really beyond, well, racism is wrong. Okay, well, why? Why is it wrong? Well, it's not critical thinking, for one. You don't actually know anything about that person. <laughs> you, you have a belief. Now, you might be right, but you might be wrong. And it's just not intelligent to operate with the belief that because that person is, you know, purple, then it means they eat too much pizza. You know, well, every other person I met that's purple eats too much pizza. So that purple guy over there, I bet you eats too much pizza. Better hide my pizza from him or else he might steal it. Right? That's not critical thinking. Now you might be right because you've had some past experience with some purple people and they're pizza eating. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I crack myself up. The purple people pizza eaters experience you've had. The purple pizza eater people prejudice you have. (laughs) One eyed and one horn. (laughs) But you're supposed to go, okay, mind. Here's my critical mind showing up. Okay, the last 10 purple people I experienced, I perceived as eating too much pizza. Maybe this one will too. But I don't know that actually for sure. So I'm going to keep an open mind and see. That's what you're supposed to do with beliefs, right? You're not supposed to go, oh, New London style pizza, it is the ultimate essence of godlike pizza. And I believe so strongly that it is the greatest pizza in the world. Well, have you ever had it? 
No, no, but I believe it so much. I mean, every day I get up in the morning and hallelujah, this pizza is awesome. I'm so glad it exists in the world. Yeah, but have you had it? No. Well, then you don't really know, do you? Go find out. That's the point of belief. And when you experience the belief being true again and again and again, well, then it can become a sort of theory and eventually a lived experience, you know? My experience, my, my, I had a belief about water early on in my life that it was wet. And then I experienced water enough times and I found that it was wet every time. And now I don't have to believe that water is wet. It's just my experience. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.